Great to see all of you. Welcome back. If you're just making yourself back here in, in, in this connection part of the world, uh, I also want to say welcome if you're new with us. Uh, look forward to connecting with you. Come and introduce yourself at the end of the service. My name's Sandy. My wife Marianne and I will be here. We'd love to connect with you. And hey, um, I just kind of got back into the groove here just recently. I do want to say this, though. I was here in July. Where were you guys? Like, I was here a lot in July and, and the first part of August. And then, you know, things happened and had a daughter get married to a guy named Josh. So it's Josh's birthday today, too. Happy birthday, Josh. Yeah. So we had a lot going on in our family uh, this summer. Uh, my wife and I went to Manitoba and I connected with extended family there. My mom's in a nursing home. She has dementia. So we had some precious visits with her, prayed with her. Uh, God strengthened her. It was awesome. Um, and then came back, got ready for the wedding. Our son Ryan and his wife Olivia came in from North Carolina where they live. So we had 10 days with them, had the wedding. And then about a week after that, uh, we went off to the desert <laughs> Or Marianne and I really rest uh, and relax well. And Palm Springs, we love to go there. Had two weeks together. It was phenomenal. Just great time for our marriage. Great time in the presence of Jesus. For us, vacations are, are in the presence of Jesus. And we just get to spend you know, a lot of time with each other, but also with him. Um, I read three books this summer. You know, it says in Mark 12, I think it's verse 30, that uh, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And sometimes we forget about the mind. And I was doing well in my soul and, and well in my body uh, and well in my heart, but my mind was craving revelation from God. And I'm like, oh God, I'm so hungry. And uh, the Lord laid three books on me that I felt I should read, read them all, and had my Bible open like, wow, this is like supremo moment of receiving revelation from me. I'm so thankful. So I just feel great about that. Came back, marked a big moment in Marianne's life, a special birthday. And uh, then, after that, I jumped on a plane. Uh, Cheon, Papa Shea from Harvest International Ministries, invited me to join with him and, and some others, not a large group, uh, for a time of training and uh, mentoring um, and connecting together in Pasadena at HIM at the main uh, office, at the main building. So went there for that, had a phenomenal time, and just got back last Tuesday night. And just sliding in, like some of you are feeling, we're just sliding into the slot of life here again. So good to be with you. Uh, I felt like it was a great summer. How about you? Like, and I'm, it's not over, but, you know, let's let it extend and uh, increase all the way up to November. Amen? Okay, so... Um, you can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to introduce our series here in a moment that we're kicking off today. Um, but before we do that, I believe I'm supposed to share something with you that I got from the Lord this summer. And it had been increasing in my heart and mind. And I believe it's a prophetic revelation that I want to entrust to you to pray about, discern, weigh out. And if you believe it's true, then um, calibrate into it with me. And uh, what I felt the Lord was showing me was this. It is time now in the body of Christ for a great epic season of acceleration. Things are going to accelerate. God never stops working, but there are seasons in which he speeds some things up. And I believe that we're going into a season of epic acceleration. The kingdom is advancing so quickly right now. And there's so many amazing doors that are opening up. It's all God, and uh, God is just like 
bringing people together. He's, he's breaking open new mission fields in the world. Um, he's stirring the hearts of the next generation. And, and I say that because it's happening all over the place. Um, you know, even last weekend, you know what happened last weekend, right? Um, Sean Foyt was in Canada from Let Us Worship, led worship outdoors in Ottawa. 2,500 people came there uh, in Calgary, 4,500 people in Olympic Plaza, downtown Calgary. Yeah, that was awesome. And Vancouver, 5,500 people. And we're talking about, you know, no holds back worship, people just throwing themselves forward in the presence of Jesus. Jay Koopman there, I know Jay, we've met him at HIM. He's a, he's a staff member in Cheon's church. We've met Jay, he's preaching evangelism and come forward, people are throwing their drugs down, they're stepping out of addictions and lies and gender confusion and God is working so powerfully. This is the moment we're living in, and things are accelerating. Last June in Saskatoon, they have a large hockey rink. I don't know what it's called, but it's the big one. Um, a woman named Terrell, I think that's her name, can't remember her last name, an evangelist preaching, and uh, there were crowds of 6,000 each night. 6,000 people in Saskatoon, hundreds got saved. Amen to that, that's just so good. And so God's going after people, and he's, it's a new season for us. It's a season of acceleration. Here's what I think the Lord requires of us. First of all, resiliency. Some of us need to kind of get refurbished uh, in our energy still. We didn't fully recover yet from the last two, three years, whatever it was. And the Lord wants to restore you, maybe even today. Maybe even today your margins are going to feel like they come back. Some of you are still battling mental fatigue. God's going to lift that off you. We have ground to hold on to here in the area of resiliency. We should be the most resilient people on the planet. And you might need healing for that, and that's fine. Um, but resiliency also in the fear of the Lord, right, which is the beginning of wisdom. And pressing in and, and renouncing sin patterns in our own lives and stepping out of strongholds and, and walking in truth and in freedom. So resiliency. And then also, I believe it calls us to express courage. We're going to need courage to speak hope into a world that's all messed up. You're gonna need courage to speak into a woke culture in which some of the institutions in our nation have embraced an ideology and a philosophy that is anti-Christ. And you gotta speak up. Those of you who are parents in schools, you know what I'm talking about. It's time to speak up. It's time to sign up. It's time to actually say, hey, this is not okay. This is not cool. This is not what I believe. And your voice matters. You're a citizen in this country. And so we encourage you to be courageous and bold in those areas. It'll also require from us tight biblical community. And uh, those of us on our lead team, we, we know we're feeling the Lord is stirring community and, and attaching people and connecting people, new connections being made. And so I invite you into biblical community right here. If you don't have any other church to, to be part of, we'd love you to be part of this church. Don't do it alone. <laughs> and then finally, it's a new wineskin moment. God is actually downloading to people visions, dreams, uh, designs for business, for kingdom advance in business, and for all areas of influence and culture. Um, and I think that's happening widely in our church, and I believe it's going to increase new wineskins for the people of God to express their kingdom serve wherever they are sent to. Uh, and then new wineskins for the church. I believe we're gonna see a phenomenal thing happen in the next two years here at Kingdom City as God is getting us ready for the next level of advance. So all that, I'm just saying, I'm leaving that with you. I would ask you to test that out, pray into that, and if you sense God in it, 
Let's lean into that. I, I believe it's a word that is, is true in our context, and I, I'm excited about where it's going to take us. All right. Acts chapter 1. Here we go. Say, here we go. Here we go into the book of Acts, and uh, this series is just going to be amazing. Um, I, I kind of came into it slowly. I was praying in May and June, Lord, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going? Talk to people on our team and pressing in and wait out some things, and I kept coming back to Acts thinking, how, how are we going to do it? It's 28 chapters. You know, and the Lord's like, you don't think of it that way, just get in there. Because I don't think the Lord is worried about our church calendars as much as we are, but anyways... What I felt from him was, we're to do chapters 1 to 12 in the next year, and then we'll see what he wants after that. But for sure, we're going to cover in one year chapters 1 to 12, and we're going to take breaks every now and then in the Acts series and have a different series that we need to bring forward, things that God wants to do in certain areas of our church life, and then we'll come back to Acts. So it's kind of like the default series, okay? So chapters 1 to 12, today we're beginning... And oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. This is all about the movement of Jesus, which is continuing. And you know this about the book of Acts. It shows us in chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and the church was born on the day of Pentecost. We know that, right? Do we know this, that the church was born uh, on the day of Pentecost, but it was conceived in the life and ministry of Jesus and the calling of the twelve? It was conceived in that moment when Jesus began preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then in Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus says, you are Peter and upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. The church was already conceived and already moving into existence through the life and ministry of Jesus. And then it got fully birthed as the Holy Spirit descended upon those people in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And really, I believe, um, Acts is a blueprint for the church of our day. When we talk about being a Bible-believing church, we better align ourselves to the book of Acts. We better. That, there's a blueprint. And as one scholar calls it, this is formative truth. And it, it shows us. This is what it was like. This is what was important to them. And there's truth there to shape us today. The point I want to make to you is this. The movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago has not ended. It's not over. There is a line of connection from the moment that Jesus started the gospel preaching of the kingdom all the way through to right now, all the way through to all of us in this house. There is a line of connection. We are part of the movement of God. So I want you to turn to the person beside you and tell them you're part of the movement. Part of the movement. And the movement continues. Can we read chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 together? All right, turn in your Bibles. I'm in the New King James Version. Someday I'll explain to you why I switched, but not now. Um, there's good reasons, um, but I like a lot of versions. And uh, yeah, I'm not anti-versions. All right. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, words are on the screen. This is Luke writing. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote Acts. By the way, Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. He was a man of culture, a man of language. He was a professional. I think he would have been an awesome person to hang around with, and he was with Paul on many missionary journeys. He wrote the book of Acts. 
Chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, that name means lover of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, say taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles, say apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you tell us at this time if you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Say, end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Luke just explodes in chapter one with this monumental eyewitness account of the ascension of Jesus and the commissioning of the disciples. It's actually quite phenomenal. And he just jumps in with this revelation saying in effect, Jesus is alive, this is what's happened, this is where he went, now this is what we do. We're gonna cover that today here in the first chapter. I'm gonna do a bit of teaching and preaching and then teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching and then land the airplane, is that okay? Just stay with me. We're kind of laying a foundation here in this series, and it's got a little bit of stuff we've got to get some, some handles on so we can build well for the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, Acts really is a blueprint for the church. Not everything that is called church today is church. Just because a building says church and people go there, that doesn't mean it's actually a church in God's sake. It might be good people that go there. It might be that they have a tradition that they follow that's nice, maybe it's inspiring, maybe they got great technology and smoke and lights, and maybe they got all that, you know, and I'm not opposed to those things. I think they have their place, but not everything that's called church is the church. Jesus is building his church. It's a movement, and the movement has never stopped. It has never actually stopped. It has never paused it's always been moving forward, and it will so until he returns. So here we are. We're in the movement of God. Uh, Acts 1.8 is the key verse for the entire book of Acts. Right? You want to know what the outline is of Acts? Here it is. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The word is marturio. We get the word martyr from there. Not all martyrs end up 
losing their lives. Some do, some don't. You will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Those four locations are the structure of the book of Acts. Gospel in Jerusalem, church moving forward there. Gospel in Judea, church moving forward there. Then into Samaria, cross-cultural, and then from there to the ends of the earth. See the ripple effect. If you threw a stone into a pool of water, you'd see the circles, right? Those initial circles expand and they go outward. That is what God is doing with his church. As it says in Isaiah 9, uh, the government will be on his shoulders and his government will have increase. It'll never end, right? Jesus' rule is increasing more and more and more on practical stuff here in this world. So we're part of this movement. And... Uh, I just see that we're, we're moving into things that are amazing. I'm going to cover this with you here in a moment, but I want to let you know that the gospel itself is in chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The entirety of it, all of it is there. Did you notice it? Talks about the incarnation of Jesus, right? That he was here, that he was alive, that he was seen. The death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus to the Father's right hand talks about the sending of the Holy Spirit as a promise that would be fulfilled in Acts 2. And then it's the commissioning of the disciples. So by the way, we are part of the gospel. It's not just something we believe, it's something that we are also in. We're in the gospel narrative, we're in the gospel adventure together because we are a sent people. Are you with me? Okay, so here's point number one. The question is, what do people of a movement look like and the first thing we're going to look at is this. They look like people who are radically changed. Can I say radical again? <laughs> they look like people who are radically changed and radically changing, continuing to change. Think of those original disciples. They've been with Jesus three and a half years. He gets crucified. He's raised. Now they're with him 40 days. They're receiving instruction from him and teaching and all kinds of great things, right? They were radically changed. What was it that changed them? Being in the presence of Jesus. Also his death and resurrection. Same for us. Because Jesus died, right? Canceling our sin debt, amen? No, no shame, no condemnation on any of us if we believe in Jesus. Canceling our sin debt. And also dealing with our sin problem. Because when he died, our old nature was crucified with him, Romans 6, right? It's been crucified. You don't have an old sinful nature. It's dead. It's gone. You can still sin, but not out of an old identity. It's in your flesh, but you can't resurrect that old person. They are dead. They co-died with Jesus in his death on the cross. And they were transformed by the resurrection of Jesus. Anybody got new life here? Yeah. New life because of the resurrection of Jesus. So awesome. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's us. There's only one version of you in this world and it's a transformed version if you know Jesus. You are a new creation deployed here in this world to represent God and his kingdom and the heart of the Father. It's such a privilege being alive for that is just worth everything. Okay, so 
People are radically changed who are in the movement. You know, back in, in my journey, I got saved at age 19, and um, I ended up on Vancouver Island with a house church with a bunch of other 19, 20-year-olds, and uh, we hung out together. And all we had was Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father, Bibles, guitars, and granola. That's all we had. Granola was really popular back then because I got saved at the end of the Jesus movement, the hippie movement. I've paraphrased some of those stories for you, right? We had hippies that came in with the long hair. I cut mine. My hair used to be down here, and they would come in, and they'd say, can we put up a tent in your backyard? We're like, yeah, man. I'm not joking. Man, have you heard of Keith Green, man? Like, yeah, man, Keith Green is awesome. Yeah. He died, man. Like, I know, man. Bummer, man. This is real. And I got saved. You know, I wasn't raised in the church. I had a little bit of Sunday school growing up, so I had some deposits of something there, and I'm sure God used it. But I had no connection to the thing called Christianity. When I came to Jesus... I had no grid for church. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even make the connection. So I just thought it was just Jesus and us and some people, and then we would do life together. Well, isn't that kind of the church? I kind of think it is. But there's order in the church, and there's layers, and we get all that. But I didn't know that then. And uh, so it took me a while to understand what God was doing. But the movement of Jesus is not a religion. I want to say that and underscore something about it. The movement of Jesus is not a religion. Now, you might think, well, you know, being evangelical or Pentecostal, we don't have religion. (laughs) Well, you think not, eh? What becomes sacred in your rituals? What comes out in our language? What meaning do we attach to certain things? You can get addicted to revival conferences. Oh, Oh, sorry, I didn't want to hurt you there, but you know what I mean? Um, you, you can make something into something. And I think that God is trashing religion wherever it is in his church right now. I think he's sending prophets who have fire coming out of their eyes and nostrils to say to the church, would you please wake up? This was never supposed to be a religion. This was never supposed to be a holy club. This is a place where the presence of Jesus is the anchor and his word, and his people, and we hear from him, and we do what he says. That's church, right? It's church. So may we always be trimmed down when we need to. So the people who are part of the movement are radical people. And I just want to know, is there any radical people in the house here? Come on, come on. Don't be too tame on me here. I I, want to know if there's some radical people here. Yeah, yes. Get ready to change the world. If you're not already doing it, it's our call. It's us. It's our turn. I want to share with you a prophetic word from Rick Joyner. Anybody know Rick Joyner? Yeah. Great guy. Great prophetic guy. He said this recently in the last several years, as far as I can tell. He said, the Lord has prepared a ministry for the last days that will be the marvel of men and angels. These will not be self-seeking or self-promoting, and most of them will remain unknown to the world even to much of the church. Their works and preaching will stir nations, but many will fade into the crowds and disappear before anyone even knows who they are. Many of the most powerful apostles and prophets will remain nameless and faceless to the public. These have no desire to build major ministries and will not covet fame 
or fortune. Their whole purpose is to see the king's joy because they are truly his friends. They will follow him wherever he goes. Not since Jesus walked the earth has the enemy feared anyone like he does these selfless messengers of power. Just as he tried to destroy Moses and Jesus by killing the children, his present onslaught through abortion, drugs, and disease, and I would add through gender confusion, is a desperate attempt to destroy these before they can mature by destroying their generation. You ever wonder why the enemy is so much like attacking so much, it's because of what this generation is ready to do. In the near future, he says, the church will not be looking back at the first century church with envy because of the great exploits of those days, but all will be saying that God certainly did save his best wine for last. The most glorious time in all of history has now come upon us. You who have dreamed of one day being able to talk with Peter, John, and Paul are going to be surprised to find they have all been waiting to talk to you. You have been chosen to see the harvest, the fruit of the seeds that they were planting. And I do believe God brings out the best wine for last. And I do believe that this generation really matters. Really matters. Because the movement of Jesus is continuing. And I just got to ask you, how radically changed are you? You may not have had a conversion experience like mine. You might have been raised in the church and quietly came to faith. That's awesome. That's my wife. That's some of our people in our family. It's awesome. It's still real. But are you changing? Are you growing? Are you walking in the freedom and in the power of his presence? It's so awesome what God has given us to just step into. All right, that's point number one. Point number two, what else do people of a movement look like? They are people of power. People of power. Acts chapter 1 at verse 5. It says, For John truly baptized with water, Jesus speaking, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's jump down to verse number 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, remember that phrase, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Power. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what it's talking about. You're gonna be baptized by the Spirit. You will receive power, dunamis, from what we get the word dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, isn't he in me? If you're a believer, yes. When you were born again, you received the Spirit of God who, who made a habitation in your, in your life. You have all of the Holy Spirit within you. You can't have part of the Holy Spirit. You've got them all in you. That's part of it. That's essential. But there's more. The Holy Spirit doesn't only want to be in you. He wants to be on you. And there's a word for it that Luke uses here. It's the word epelthonton. I love that word. <laughs> Epithontin, it's got the epiphrase, which means like um, a defined thing happening in a certain place. Epi, like an event, thing, there it is. And then thontin, which means like a radical experience of something coming over you. And in the scriptures, with Luke's materials and others, you see this word used in lots of places to describe that there's some kind of an experience in which the Holy Spirit actually, in a distinct way, in a distinct moment, in an epi moment, comes upon you. That's the will of God for us. 
We believe biblically that our experience with the Holy Spirit has a second moment. We get born again of the Holy Spirit. We get saved through the Holy Spirit as we respond to Jesus. And then shortly after that, at some point in time, we should be baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's a two-event process. Now, if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're still saved, you still know Jesus, he's still in you, he's still working in you, but God has more. He has more. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's six places in the book of Acts where the baptism of the Spirit or filling of the Spirit, which are interchangeable terms, is mentioned. You can write them down if you want. Acts 2, 1 to 4. Acts 4, verse 31. Acts 8, verse 17. Acts 9, verse 17. Acts 10, 44 to 46. Acts 19, 5 to 7. Six occasions in the book of Acts in which people were baptized by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Radical stuff going on in their lives. The point I want to make to you is this isn't just a sort of vague experience. It'll look different for different people with different personalities and that we give room for. But from God's perspective, this is a big moment. The word epilthontin, man, I think you could maybe picture it like this. I'm struggling for an image, but those of you who are like, you're in grade eight, you know, especially if you're a boy, young man, you're kind of walking home from school with your buddies and you're walking and you're going forward. And then behind you sneaks up one of your friends and goes, hey, and just throws himself on top of the group. As grade eight boys will do. What he's doing is called epilthontin. Just kind of jumps on you. That's the biblical word for it. Okay? The Holy Spirit will jump on you, epilthontin you, come upon you, touch you, move upon you, pour himself upon you. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, Paul had similar language for this. And he puts it this way. Different word than epilthontin, same meaning. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's conversion, that's salvation. Whom he poured out on us, there's that second thing, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Poured out, the word means gushed out, spilled out, poured out. It's an experience from beyond you. It didn't come from within, it came from without. It came from his presence and his power on you. Can I just say this to us? This is for all Christians. This is not just for really excited evangelicals and dyed-in-the-wool charismatics. This is for Anglicans, this is for Episcopalians, this is for Methodists, this is for Baptists, this is for Presbyterian, whatever you call yourself, doesn't matter. This is your birthright that you would be a person of power. Power. You will receive, because you can't take it, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, and then you're going to be able to witness and do the things of God. Five signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Five biblical signs. I'll just mention them so you know they're there. Biblical proof. How do you know if a person's been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Five ways you can determine that. Any of these five work, and all of them are wonderful. Power, praise, prophecy, tongues, boldness. And I could give you the verses for that. They're all in Acts. 
Power, Jesus promised power. Praise, people burst out in praise when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, they immediately prophesy. Joel 2, right? Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Tongues, the wonderful gift of the beautiful spiritual language that Jesus can release to us through the Spirit is a sign. Not the only sign, but it is a sign. It is an evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. And I hope that you desire that and ask God for it if you don't have it. Because we should, according to the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, Desire the things of the Spirit. Crave the pneumaticoi, the things of the Spirit. And in that chapter, mentions words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues, interpretation, all that. You're supposed to crave that. So it's not enough just to say, well, if God wants to give me the gift of tongues, he can. He's like, no, you seek for it. You, you, you desire it. You ask for it. And I think a lot of people just, oh, I didn't know I could. Yeah, it's in the Bible. <laughs> right? Seek and you shall find. So these five signs are there, and uh, you know all of them may have happened in your life, or some of them. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I have mentioned this before, it was, it was unbelievable. It was one of the top three things that happened in my life after getting saved. Um, wow. Hungry for God, just praying my heart out with five other people in a cabin on Gabriola Island. We didn't have much food except for granola, but we didn't eat the granola for a while. We fasted. We didn't know what we were seeking for. We just knew we were just ministering to the Lord. We just, it was just about Jesus. We didn't even know that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I never knew that. And all of a sudden, I just felt on day three and a half, I'm like, oh. Like, I, I, I believe my spirit left my body, went up into heaven, right up to the face of God, and then he went and blew it back down into my body. And I woke up on my back. No one noticed. I didn't explain it to anyone. I was radically rocked. I had such peace I had such joy. I didn't care about a thing. I had power. I could witness. I, I had courage that I never tapped into before. And, uh, and I, my friends didn't even know that. I'm like, two years later, I said, oh, by the way, I think I got baptized. And they're like, what? You didn't tell us? I'm like, I, I didn't have the language. Somewhere shortly after that, I got my, my heavenly gift of tongues and started. It was, it was hard for me to use that. I didn't really know what I thought about it. I was like, I don't know if I even want this. But God's like, no, you need this. And I stepped into that slowly and it got anchored into me too. And I was like, wow, God, you are so good. But it's normal to have this in a two-step process. I think there's sometimes when people are radically saved and in seconds they get filled. That can happen. But it's always the operation of the Spirit in those two ways. It could happen right away. Maybe it happens right in the middle of your conversion. I don't know. God can break his own rules. I mean, he doesn't have to get our permission. But normally, it is I get saved I receive Jesus, and then sometime in a while, hopefully not too long, I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you received it yet? It's yours. It's available to you. People of the movement are people of power. And can I just contrast what it looks like when we don't have power? When we don't have power as Christians, we get stuck, man. We get really, really stuck in sin patterns, in confusion, we lack joy, we don't hear God's voice too well, we're afraid to witness for him, and we're not good advertisement for heaven, amen? When you're filled with the Spirit, you tend to be full of courage. You can discern God's will with ease. You're loving and gracious with people because the Spirit's working more deeply in your life. You're not ticked off so easily. <laughs> you have visions and dreams. You hear God's voice in clearer ways. This is also possible to a degree 
even if you didn't get baptized in the Spirit, but it amplifies it when you are. And I just encourage you not to miss out on any of this. Throughout this series, there may be a moment when God says, this is your time. Time for you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come forward or sit where you are. There's no magic formula here. But it may be that in this series you get freshly filled or baptized in the Spirit for the first time. Someone might say, well, I don't know. There's a lot of confusion about the baptism of the Spirit. I wasn't raised that way. Neither was I. Just read your Bible. Just, just read it. Just read the Bible. Well, I, I don't know. My aunt said that she went to a meeting once and it was really distracting. Yeah, yeah, there's been some bad examples. There's been some ditches. There's been some stupid stuff done in the name of the baptism of the Spirit. Well, then let's not even go there. <laughs> there's been bad stuff done with teaching. Should we just not have teaching? You know, like, if you react to an error with another error, you end up in another ditch, right? So, like, just... And I just encourage us to shed off religion. For goodness sakes, can we have a bonfire and burn anything religious? All the prophets in the house said, yes! Our, our prophets are patient with it. They're very patient with our church because they put up with a lot. I know, how, I know how God burdens you. And I'm like, oh, just be patient. Hang in there. We're, we're going to deal with the things. We're going to burn the idols in the Brook Kidron. All right? So let's go there. Let's become a people of power. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What else does a movement of people look like? It's people who are ready. Ready. Ready for what? Ready for Jesus to return. They live with that anchored in their lives consciously and subconsciously. I thought of that last night when I was prayer walking. I thought, you know what? If we actually believe this strongly enough, it'll be anchored into our subconscious. That every moment of our lives, we are somewhere in the back of our minds anticipating the return of Jesus. Because he's coming back, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Take a look at that verse. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I can picture Jesus you know, there he is, 40 days with them in his resurrected body. And he's probably like, oh, man, you, you guys shouldn't have asked that question. Because <sighs> he's talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And they're saying, what about the kingdom of Israel? He's like, well, there's a plan for Israel, but don't ask those questions. Right? <laughs> he says this to them. It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And the word times there is chronos, and the word seasons there is kairos. Kairos moments and chronos moments of time. All the realm of times and seasons. He says, not for you to know. Well, can't we know? He said, well, no. But you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes in you. Get to work. Get to work. Well, what about Israel? Well, don't worry. God has a plan for Israel. We're not anti-Israel. Goodness sakes, no, no, no. Then Acts chapter 1, verse 9. I want these verses up. I think we missed them first service. Acts 1, 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, get this, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And if I be there, I say, because he just went up in the clouds. Is he coming back? Like, what's happening? 
This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. And his return will be visible, it'll be bodily, it'll be personal, and it's imminent. Anytime. The Lord could come back this afternoon. Could come back while people are preaching. So people of the movement are ready for this. They're ready for it. And I've been brushing up on my eschatology this summer. I've been like, okay, time to get crisp on this stuff again. And um, diving into it from all kinds of authors. Of course, the Bible. And uh, reminding myself of this mystery of the return of Jesus. And I think that there's two pillars to it that we have to anchor to. One is he could come back any moment. And the other is it could take a while. It could take a while. Let me talk about the take a while part. There were people 500 years ago who said, this is going to be this generation. And it wasn't. But we're getting closer. John says we're in the last hour. First John, two. It is the last hour. Tick, 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 tick. Clock is going to strike midnight, right? So we are living in the last of the last of the last days. And there's been multiple fulfillment of prophecies. Yes, there has. All the major ones have been fulfilled at at least once or twice or more. Multiple fulfillments of prophecy still coming in. You know, um, the abomination of desolation was fulfilled and Titus in 70 AD stood in the temple in Jerusalem and desecrated it. It was already fulfilled from Daniel's prophecy. And then on from there, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be, you know, floods and famines and earthquakes. Have we seen that in the last 10 years? Yeah, it's happening. And it could take a while. It could take a while. In the meantime, there's a shaking going on. There's a shaking that's going on. It is a Haggai 2-6 moment when God says, once more I will shake the heavens and the earth. He's shaking it, man. He is shaking the planet. Why? He's getting ready for a great harvest. He's letting institutions collapse. He's letting people's souls get hungry for truth, for meaning, for purpose, for healing, for life. And that harvest is going to be taken. And then he's going to come. So we've got to be ready for this. We've got to live like this. And we often have said, you know, live like Jesus coming back this afternoon. Said it today. And we should. Here's another way. If that's too hard to swallow, and I understand that. So if you're like, are you serious? Like today? Okay. Pretend for a moment that Jesus is coming back next June. In your life. Just pretend. Like for real. Pretend. For real pretend. Pretend that Jesus is coming back next June. Say it's June 1st. And we all know he's coming back June 1st. How would you live? What would you do differently? Will you make certain decisions that would prepare you for that? Can I also remind us of what the Lord said himself in the parable of the minas in Luke 19? He gave some minas out, which is a measure of money. Give 10 minas to one guy, five to another, one to another. And he said, occupy till I come. Actually, the word occupy, poorly translated, it means do business till I come. Do business. He comes back. The master comes back, asks for an account. The guy with the 10 minus says, I got 10 more. He says, well done. You get 10 cities to rule. The guy with the five minus comes back. I got five, uh, increase of five. He says, you get five cities to rule. The guy with the one minus says, I hid the minor because I think you're a bad guy. So here's your minor. He says, take that guy out and slay him. <laughs> it's in your Bible. He did not take seriously what was placed into his hands. 
And the whole idea of this is, is a stewardship truth. That we have a life to live now that matters. We can't just say, the Lord's coming back so soon. So what if Canada goes to hell in a handbasket? So what? No. No, 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 no. The Great Commission is that we are sent to disciple nations. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and disciple nations until he comes. So we live in this tension, expecting Jesus any moment, but realizing it could take a while. And so we continue to live for his kingdom. This means that we must advance in his kingdom in all areas of life where the kingdom touches business, arts, media, entertainment, health care, education, government, um, family life, the church, and so on. God is establishing righteousness on the earth, and we're to care about our city and love our city and love our region and seek its peace and bless it. So we're to live in this tension between these two realities. And I think that Acts is saying to us there's a way to do that. By the way, if you're ready for Jesus' return, it means that you have stewarded your life in such a way that when he comes, you hear his voice. Right? Because Matthew 24 talks about, you know, the signs of the end of the age, and, you know, you can know the signs of his coming, and you're, you're dialed in. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25, just briefly here, and we'll wrap up shortly. Matthew 25, and uh, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Here we go. It says, Jesus speaking, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Clue, the bridegroom is Jesus returning for his bride. They all knew that when he said it. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I think Jesus is emphasizing a lot of things here, and I just want to highlight maybe just one. And that is, you better have oil in your lamp. You gotta get your own oil. You can't light your lamp with your spouse's oil. You can't light your lamp with your kid's oil. You gotta have your own oil. Young adults, you gotta have your own oil. Well, my parents don't have much oil. So what? Get on fire. Have oil in yourselves, it says in the scripture. Oil is a biblical image of the Holy Spirit. So if I'm going to be living in anticipation of Jesus coming and living well in light of how long it takes, I can only do that if I've got enough oil. And I better be awake. When I fall asleep, I better be easily awoken. 
When I was 19, 20 years old, I was in a logging camp in Vancouver Island. My dream job to be a logger. I got the job, Port Renfrew, and they, you know, your first day comes and you're there. It's a four-hour drive from Nanaimo. I'm not there with any friends. Large camp, 300 people or so. And your first day of work, you better show up with your logging boots laced up and your lunch made and your security safety gear. And I'd watched, you know, the films and, yes, films back then, and uh, got ready. And I was worried about sleeping in because the males in our side of the family, we sleep so deeply we don't hear alarms. If you don't make it to the landing in the morning where the trucks are, it's goodbye. It's, there's no second chances. And so I set an alarm. I said, oh, God, like no one's going to be here to back me up. I said, Lord, would you wake me up? Would you please wake me up? Like, Lord, I, I want you to wake me up. And I went to sleep that night, hoping I would wake up in time at 5.15 to get ready. And uh, I, a guy came in my room, and, which I didn't know, you know how he got there because the door was locked. And he put his hand on my chest. And he was rubbing my chest. It felt so good. It felt like my dad. And I'm like, oh, who is this logger? Who is this guy? I opened my eyes. No one in the room. Lord, you woke me up. You woke me up. I got ready, I got down there, I started my new job, it was awesome. But the key thing was, God was there. God invaded that space. Uh, Can I say this? Some of us need to say, Lord, wake me up. Wake me up. I want to have oil in my lamp, I want to go to sleep in anticipation of your arrival, but I want to live for you every single day until you come. Wake me up. Finally, I invite our worship team to be back up here with me. People of a movement are people who are moving they move, they, they, they have activity, they're not static. Acts 1.8, again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Can I remind you of the resurrection encounter that they had there in Acts chapter one? Can I remind you that they saw Jesus going up into the heavens? And the Greek word for that is that he was taken from them, lambano, which means Jesus was not exercising his strength to do it, but the Father was taking him up. That he, in submission to the Father, was leaving them. And they saw him go up. And I'm thinking, wow, like, there he goes. I'm picturing he went, like, about, you know, three feet every second. (laughs) There he goes. He's waving goodbye. Remember what I told you? Don't leave the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And they went, okay, it's time for us to be involved. It's in your hands, he's saying. I'll be with you. Holy Spirit's coming upon you at Bothampton. Remember that. Yep, I'll be with you. But it's your time. We're the movement of Jesus. It is us. It is us. He's using us and others to bring hope and healing and salvation to a screwed up broken world, amen? And so today is a movement day. It's a movement day. We're a people who are moving. Our church vision is releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth, seven words. We do that everywhere we go. On any mountain of influence that we are called to serve him in. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. You're a sent person. 
By the way, this fall, we're gonna be bringing some things to you to share with you some of the breakthrough things that have been happening behind the scenes in this church to catapult us to a whole new level of missional impact in Canada. It's leaking out, it's coming out. Hopefully this fall, we've been working our tails off behind the scenes, things that we've shared with you at annual meetings. They're ready, they're birthing, it's happening, and the wineskin is being formed for anything God wants us to do, anything. And we're part of the movement. Everyone counts. We're gonna need videographers. We're gonna need prayer counselors. We're gonna need pastors. We're gonna need business people. We're gonna need healthcare people, education people. We need you all. God is doing something phenomenal in our nation and we get the privilege of being part of it. I want to say this, I felt it last night and it came to me just before I got up here, and that is I, I feel like I'm supposed to help some of you who've been hurt by a previous church experience. It was not in my notes. But I just feel like there's a few maybe in the room that your hearts are gold, but you've been hurt by a church. Maybe this church. Maybe a different church. And I want to say to you, on behalf of the name of Jesus, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. If you were ignored, if you were treated with contempt, if you were shut down, if you were ignored, if you were uncared for when you were going through a crisis, I apologize to you on behalf of the body of Christ. And I pray that God will lift that out of your heart, that hurt, that pain, and fill you up with a new joy. And if that's you, may God just witness that to you right now. We need you. You're part of his family, and you're awesome. There's gold in you. Let's let the past be the past, and let's move on. The movement of Jesus is continuing. In the first service, there were some missionaries there, sitting right over there. Brenda and Jerry Schutz, Josh's parents, who head up mission teams. They're heading for Cyprus in a few days building out a whole new mission base. We have people here from Samaritan's Purse, people here from Billy Graham. We have people here that are back from the mission field. I want you to stand if you're a true missionary in your heart. You know who you are. You're, you're working in a mission organization. I want you to stand. We want to honor you and we want to pray a blessing over you. Hiron Diane, great, great veterans of the mission work of God. So good, Steve. Greg and Debbie Lynn. So awesome. Friends, there's, there's many here, and I just want us to just pray a blessing over them right now. I want to say this to you. Your DNA is essential for us. We can't be the local church unless we're connected to the global work of God, and we've got to be connected, and we are connecting with you right now and validating and affirming you and celebrating your heart, your passion, the way you are changing the world in your mission work right now. Thank you, Jesus. Bless them. Give them all they need for your word to go out through their lives, through their organizations and ministries. Bless them. Okay, let's the rest of us stand. Need to wrap up. I'm just going to call you to the front if you want to come. 
You don't have to, but if this is something that you want to nail down, come to the front. If God is calling you out of religion, you're maybe just got confused and trapped in something and you want to embrace a, f- a fresh new life in Jesus, just come to the front and stand here and say, this is my day to shed off religion. Just come to the front. Come to the front if you've not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit. God knows your longing and your heart. Just come to the front. Our ministry team will be up here to pray for you. Ministry team, can you come up here? Get ready to be involved. If you've not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can come up to the front. If not, you can wait for some time in this series. There's going to be other opportunities. Come to the front. If you want to stay wide awake, if you're like, hey, I don't want to sleep in. I don't want to miss it. God, I'm just saying my eyes are upon you. I'm going to live wide awake from here on. If that's you, and you may want to come to the front, come on up. And then come to the front if you want to. Say, Lord, I'm I'm in the movement. I'm joining the movement. I'm participating in the movement. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and rest on us. Come and root over us. Holy Spirit, we love you, Jesus. We say a big yes to you today, Jesus. And Lord, I want you to know what's going on in the hearts of people who've said yes. They've said yes to you anywhere, anytime, any person. Thank you, Jesus. Your movement is continuing. Thank you that you're leading us. Lead our families, God. Lead our marriages. Lead our homes and our jobs in that great adventure of serving your kingdom here and now until you come back. Thank you. Let your spirit come upon those who are hungering for the baptism of the spirit. Baptize them, Lord. Fill them. Strengthen them. Give them resilience, God, for people that need resilience strength and energy may infuse their bodies right now in Jesus name amen can we just give Jesus praise for what he did today thank you Jesus yeah so there's some ministry team members up here I just ask you to wait patiently if you want to be prayed for God bless you guys have a great day we'll see you soon